0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Boca podcast. And uh, I actually have the opportunity to to hang out today with a new friend of mine, a relatively new friend of mine, Anisha Collins. Anisha is going to not only spend some time here with us chatting all kinds of different things, photography and business, but we're going to get into a, a new topic today in video marketing. So thanks for making time for the Boca podcast today, Anisha.
1: Absolutely. I'm super excited. <laughs> <laughs> well, it,
0: and I we're going to kind of go all different directions here and ultimately land on that. What is really a, a massive topic? I mean, we're, we're going to hit one episode on this topic of video marketing today, more specifically trends in 2019. But I'm sure there's going to be opportunity to do a second and third episode if, if we have the, the wonderful privilege of having you back on in the future. But we'll get to that here in just a, a couple of minutes. I do want to start off with a couple of housekeeping notes. Number one, and I think I've mentioned this before in the podcast, but I just want to go on record saying that bokeh, when we say bokeh podcast, um, I realize that I'm technically not pronouncing the term correctly. And, And Anisha, I'm not sure if you realize this as well, but bokeh is originally a Japanese word, bokeh. And I actually grew up in Japan, so I should be pronouncing it that way. But (laughs) I also know that if I were to to come on the podcast or even just meet a photographer in person and say, hey, have you heard the the bokeh podcast? They'd look at me kind of funny, like, who is this pretentious, you know, crazy person? So for the sake of simplicity for everyone, I do pronounce it incorrectly. I'm putting it in air quotes incorrectly. It is technically bokeh. We pronounce it bokeh for ease of use. Uh, and so I just wanted to mention that. The other thing, for those of you listening in, um, who and especially those who've been listening for a long time, you'll notice that the format has changed over time. I was talking to a photographer the other day who had listened to something like 160 to 180 of the episodes that we've put out. We've put out, at this point, 230 or 40 or so. Uh, but As we continue to grow and and time goes on, we will continue to iterate. And you'll notice that the format continues to change. Some of the questions get removed. Some of them get reworded. And part of this is due to the feedback that I get from those listening in. If you think that, hey, you know what? This is a great podcast, but it could be better if, you know, fill in the blank. Don't hesitate to reach out. For those of you listening in, you can just send me an email directly, Nathan at photographersedit.com. Would love to get your thoughts uh, both positive and negative. And if you go the negative route, be constructive, if you will. But I welcome that kind of feedback because we want to continue to be uh, much more listener friendly, if at all possible. So you'll notice that we're beginning to kind of shorten the first section a little bit and focus in on the main topic a little bit more. That's, again, based largely on feedback from our listeners and would love further feedback. If there are other things that you'd like to hear here on the Bo- Boca podcast, including. Uh, guests as well. But speaking of guests, Anisha, I don't want to keep you waiting any longer. Let's get back to these questions. And we're going to start with one that is honestly one of my favorite here at the podcast, which has to do with brand position. Mm -hmm. And I'm actually curious, Anisha, is this a phrase brand position that you were familiar with before I sent you this outline for the podcast?
1: I've heard it here and there. It's not used as much as like brand uniqueness or brand identity. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's so true. There, there's a, in fact, you're right. Brand identity is a phrase that we tend to hear more in the market, uh, in the industry more specifically, the photography industry, and maybe in the videography industry as well, because I know you do both. Mm-hmm. Um, but brand position, the reason that we continue to go back to this particular phrase is because I think it, it, we could stand to be talking about it a lot more. There's so many photographers in the market these days. And I say these days, I mean, this has been the case and, and growing, I guess, for the last 10, maybe to 15 years, it's a lot easier to become a photographer. And so with so many photographers, we need to stand out. And there are different ways to do that. We've talked about client experience here on the podcast, a decent amount, but brand position is very simply the unique selling point of our business that everyone talks about when they hear our business's name. Right. And so I'm curious, what is your business's brand position as a photographer and a videographer?
1: Well, it's definitely being who you are. For years, I struggled with just not Having a personal identity, I felt like I was a chameleon. Like I had to change and strip layers of myself whenever I was around people just to be accepted. And it took years—and I mean, like years—wow—for uh, me to finally say, "I'm not doing that anymore." And I have to love me for me because I will always be unhappy if everywhere I go, I'm stripping off a layer or, like I said, becoming a chameleon just yeah. to fit in or be liked. So for me, that's definitely my brand position and. I push that, you know, to my clients. I push that for my education group, especially when I'm talking to business owners about getting on video because they're so like, I'm afraid. And, <laughs> yeah. I, and I try to tell them like, but your uniqueness, you know, is what is going to make you stand out right. on video
0: so I, if you don 't mind me asking i 'm curious about a little of the backstory there. You talked mm-hmm. about having struggled with being yourself for so long. You mm-hmm. tend to be a chameleon. I can actually relate to this um, very, mm-hmm. very strongly. I, you know some Some might actually label it as empathy I think there 's a line between empathy where you 're kind of feeling what the other person is feeling mm-hmm. uh, and and acting accordingly, and then kind of almost giving into a felt pressure of some kind to be more like the person or the people that were around for the sake of acceptance. Mm. And so I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on this and maybe a little bit of the backstory. What, what did that look like? What did you struggle with so much about being oh, wow. yourself <laughs> versus kind of letting go and, and just being yourself? Like, what, what's the contrast? What did that look like?
1: I can sum it up. Probably is going to sound like super, super deep, com, you know, considering the topic we're talking about. But it was basically the fact that I'm really smart. And uh, I I like to call myself an undercover nerd. I don't appear to be, you know, quote unquote nerdy, but I am. (laughs) And so, and what I mean by appearance, like how I dress. And I know some people may go, what, how how does a nerd dress? But it's just usually like bookworms or people who are very like scholastic. They just, they're not normally, you know, hip or in tune or, and and since I have a balance of both, a lot of times it was kind of like but I'm smart, but I still want to be cool. You Hmm. know what I mean? I'm smart and I still want to be accepted or don't prejudge me because of my appearance because you'd be surprised what I know. And I get that a lot. I still get that. Not as much as I used to because I think people that really do want to know me more, they do their research and they Hmm. really pull the layers back for themselves and say, you know what? Let me see what this girl is about. Because there's people in the industry now who I'm like, They'll message me or send me a video like, I know who you are. Like, I'm so excited to meet you. And I'm like, and they're like up there, like you said, the the celebrity <laughs> level. Um, and I'm just like, you know who I am? You know, so it's like that saying, like, you never know who you're impacting, who you think is bigger than you, quote unquote. So for me, it was just, you know, not being accepted. And I like I said, I can go into that's probably another episode, but Fair it, enough. It, it it definitely stemmed from self of, um, self of lack of self love.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, so you talk about the being an intelligent person and Mm -hmm. simultaneously wanting to, you know, I I guess, keep up with the trends. We'll just keep, we'll keep it simple. Um, but what, what did that look like on a deeper level? I mean, what, as you did well in school coming up and then as you started a a business, (laughs) like what was it, what did it mean to, to have, I guess, intellectual curiosity and then yeah. simultaneously, not want to kind of push that on people. I guess I, I'm, I'm trying to understand a little better.
1: Yeah, no, it was honestly the way you said it was almost like you could have written it for me. Uh, it, it dealt with a lot of pushback, a lot of like, "Oh, you, you're a dreamer. Like you think too big." Mm. Um, so, and I know Oprah dealt with that same struggle, and it's funny because my mom likes to call me a mini Oprah. She's like, "Anything you touch, just like," that. and <laughs> I'm like, awesome. "Okay." But yeah, just like not wanting to share because. I, you know, I am smart. And it was like, but, you know, smart people are not always put out that way. you know, or in a positive light, or uh, just just not believing in myself. So I was already like defeating myself before saying, you know what, I'm going to do this. And I'll just come out and say, it really took me fighting and beating cancer to say, I'm going for everything. And wow. when I mean, everything, everything that I want, and th- and I have not changed that mindset, because. I learned like time is, you know, I always, I I always had a thing for time. Like Mm. I don't like time wasted. I don't like, you know, to take advantage of time, which I don't think is the same thing, but I've always had this thing like, Oh, like respect time, you know? And so, like I said, like when you are facing death, which, you know, cancer just kind of goes with that. Unfortunately, you're not scared of it because you're like, Oh shoot, I just beat that. That's the biggest thing. That's probably the biggest thing that I will ever have to battle in my life. So now I'm, I'm brave enough to go for things that I want, you know, even, even WPPI, that was always on my bucket list, but I, but I was like, oh, that I'm probably gonna get that till I'm like, you know, really, really long, long, long long-term and then boom. 2019. It was like, Hey, you want to speak? I was like, yes, no hesitation. (laughs) (laughs) You know? (laughs) So yeah, just uh, this literally, I think even though I was calling myself a chameleon, like I finally realized I had to pull off the, 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 not fake layers, but the layers I was putting on to fit in until I could really show myself. And I'm the happiest, like I've ever been ever since discovering that that was what I needed to do to propel.
0: Wow. I, I can hear what, what's really cool is I can hear that the actual, I'm going to throw in a cliche word here for a second, <laughs> but the actual passion in your voice, mm-hmm. like you're, you're genuinely excited and intent on mm-hmm. making sure that this is a reality that you are. It's funny, you and I were actually chatting off or online, actually, but before we started mm-hmm. recording about mm-hmm. the significance of time, you said you, you <laughs> don't like being late. And yeah. I was saying, well, I, I, I can relate to that because I've worked so hard at teaching my kids the significance of respecting other people's time as well. We yeah. do have it a limited amount of time. And I, I guess no one can understand that more than someone like yourself who has been through something like cancer. Mm -hmm. How how long ago did you go through this?
1: Well, I was diagnosed March of 2018. So not too long ago. And then I had, yeah. yeah, And then I had a reoccurrence um, in uh, I honestly, I know this is going to sound bad. Like my dates are so off. Cause it's just like, when you, when you're trying to beat it, like, I don't care when you tell me just, yeah. all right, what do we need to do? Yeah. But it was like, I would say like summer, uh, around summertime, very small. My, my first tumor was the size of a, uh, like between an avocado and a cantaloupe. but I know oh, they're two goodness. different sizes, but somewhere in the middle there. Wow. Um, yeah. That tumor, praise God has not grown back. It's completely what they call eradicated. Okay. But, um, then I had, a small, like pea size, like a uh, vegetable pea size, a little tiny little circle thingy sure, sure. <laughs> is what I tell people. Cause they're like peas, people don't eat vegetables. So I have to like <laughs> describe it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they found two, actually they found one in my lymph node. And then I was like, well, maybe it's, cause you can have lymph nodes that inflame from radiation. Like there's a response to that. Okay. So, so basically everybody was kind of like, let's wait. And see if it goes down, then we know that it's that. But unfortunately, I had another scan and there was another one. And, you know, normal cells don't grow that fast. So that's when my oncologist was like, no, we need to act now. And I was like, no problem. I was a little annoyed knowing that I had to go through it again. But now I'm completely what they call NED, which is no evidence of disease. You really are not supposed to say that you're cancer free until you're outside of the five year window. That's for everybody. So we, I mean, my family, my faith, you know, my faith-based support, we say cancer-free, of course, Yeah. but medical term, it's no evidence of disease. And, um, I'm just, like I said, I'm grateful, but even more so knowing that I had a reoccurrence in a six month period again, time, it was like, wow. Yeah. So that's why like, I'm really, really, really passionate too about video marketing because that kept my business afloat for six months where I pretty much had to at one point, I kind of stopped because I had to, like my body just couldn't do, you know, both the chemo and the hustle of the wedding industry. But I still stayed afloat. I still had people booking me. Thank goodness their dates were like further out, you know, where I knew I was going to be on the come up as far as being healed. But um, it's it saved me a lot of time. It brought balance actually back into my life because mm. a lot of things that I don't have to do as far as like talking to the client longer about something or writing an email about it because I have a video for it, it saves so much time. And it really does. I don't care. I know this is something we hear a lot, but it really does speed up the no, like, and trust factor like tremendously.
0: And explain that, if you will no, like, and trust factor. What, is, what does that mean? How does that affect your life?
1: Well, There's so much noise on the internet. I mean, even myself, sometimes I'm on Instagram and I'm like, okay, I got to get off. I'm going to, I'm going to disable the app for like a week, (laughs) but it's just a lot of noise. So think about, I'm just going to keep it simple and stay within the wedding industry. Think about that bride or that couple Mm. that is searching for a vendor. Again, I'm going to keep it small or simple and say they're looking for a wedding photographer. There's tons of photographers on Instagram. They don't know with all due respect, they don't know what is good photography or sure. bad, quote unquote, they don't know what's right and wrong. They don't know price point. They don't know any of that. So that's where I truly believe that video is where you can shine and it, and it, it avoids emotional manipulation because a lot of people get into this. I don't want to be salesy. Well, I'm, I'm asking for four grand, but I'm really only giving them a thousand, you know, quality, you know, a thousand as far as quality goes. And so when you have video, it's like, you're exposed, you are completely exposed. Mm. And, and with, with respect, you're pretty much naked. And so you can only be fake on video for so long because people will say, Hey, well that's not how you were online, you know, or when you're, when you like me, I do a live show every Thursday. Well, you're really bubbly on your show, but in person, like, You know what I'm saying? Like for me. So, and of course there's, there's, there's variables as far as like what you're talking about. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Like if you're doing a kid's show, you're not gonna be like, all right, like you're not gonna do that. (laughs) You know what I'm
0: saying? Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, context is important and, and right. I, I think there is a funny, I mean, as, as the internet has continued to develop, it, some people have, have kind of taken advantage of it as a platform to just kind of spew any and everything out. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, there, there's it. no, yeah, exactly. There's no reason not to implement some type of filter, but that's interesting that you talk about video as a medium that, that minimizes the possibility of putting on a front. Mm-hmm. And I—that's I, really—that's fascinating to me. Maybe we can dig into that in just a little bit when we get mm-hmm. to the video segment of our conversation. But I, the, you know, the significance of time—we talk about it here quite a bit at the podcast—and it, it ultimately is what underlies what we do at Photographers Edit as well. Enough can't be said, and as much as it may seem cliche, it, it, the cliche goes away when you have to deal with something like cancer. And I, I really appreciate your willingness to, to open up and share. I, I had no idea our conversation was going to go that direction, but your willingness to share that. <laughs> For those of you listening in, I mean, take this to heart, the significance of time and how little we ultimately have. It's, it's so important to make sure that we're focusing on what actually matters. And yeah. uh, I really appreciate you helping us highlight the significance of that, that principle, Aisha. Yeah.
1: If it's okay to... Um, go ahead. Like, just, I, I know I, wanna, I don't want to deter you too much, but um, even at WPPI, there was a speaker event that i was invited to not not something mandatory just you know how they were doing like the little gatherings in different sure. spots and so because it wasn't mandatory i was i had to make a decision and my body i know i know for sure 100 it was a time change i my body was just like you need to rest yeah. and so for me that is something i respect highly now like if my body's like go to sleep good night everything (laughs) everything shuts down very conscious now of like what I eat drinking all of that matters because I'm like you know what you could be the best photographer videographer podcast host blogger whatever and you know you're taking care of your clients but at the end of the day if you're not healthy it doesn't matter to your clients or customer because guess what and I hate to say it this way but if you die they're just going to go to the next person that does what you do good or bad you know or better than you whatever and that's really the end of your story. You don't take anything that you've done with you, but that's why while you're here, you want to leave that legacy. You want to leave that impact on people. And that's what's important to me now, like more than ever. I was always doing it. But like I said, because of what I went through, it's like, no, 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 like full full blown Anisha is coming out, <laughs> like it or not. You know what I mean? Like I, I got it. my tribe and that's it. <laughs> oh, and,
0: and I could hear it. And again, I really appreciate that. I love energy like that. And I, I tend to play off of it pretty well. So I'm I'm excited about our mm-hmm. conversation already. You mentioned the significance of being healthy for our clients. And it certainly if you can't show up because you've you've passed away, I mean that that's a an issue and a circumstance in and of itself. But you know, if we right. don't even go to that extreme, if if you're showing up for clients, particularly wedding photographers and you're having to shoot an eight, ten, twelve even 14-hour wedding day, and you're yes. not physically sound on, on multiple levels, then what you can actually offer them um, is also affected. And then, of course, we go to a personal level, what you're able to bring to your personal relationships, family, friends, or otherwise, when you're not healthy I could spend a long time on, on this topic as well because of my personal experience, and, and but suffice it to say for now, if you're not putting a little bit of effort and energy into that, it really only takes you know, 20, 30 minutes a, a, a day, if that, of consistent exercise and paying a little bit more attention to what you're putting in your body, the type of food and drink, as you pointed out, Anisha. And again, it doesn't take as much effort as one might think that the benefits are multi- purpose or multifold, if you will, they, they stretch across both our personal lives our business lives. And it is an investment in, in what will hopefully be the long run as well. What you feel right now is one thing, but what you feel in 5, 10, 15, 20 years as your body gets older is also something to be considered. And what you do with your body right now affects that. So um, loaded topic, and and I love that we're going all different directions here, and topics that we could probably spend you know hours on. Ultimately, but this has been really, really good, and I can't thank you enough for sharing. And and this seems kind of trite almost in comparison, but I want to ask you the next question question mm-hmm. which has to do with your your business. And you've been a, a wedding photographer and a videographer. You've uh, on your website it says you've shot over a hundred weddings. Is that right? Correct. And and shooting for what close to a decade now. Correct
1: hmm correct.
0: Yeah, so you've been in it for a while. And I'm curious, from all that you've learned as a business owner so far, like if you had 15 seconds with mm-hmm. a fellow photographer and they were like, what is the most important lesson that you've learned as a business owner? What would that thing be?
1: Never stop learning.
0: Mm. And why, why is that?
1: You need to. I, I truly believe the most successful business owners are the ones that continue to educate themselves. And I, I'm saying this from... As an educator myself, and as a student, from and from the outside looking in, like when I go online and I see people who are like, "There's right now, our industry is taking a hit for many different reasons, but one main reason that I believe is not evolving with the type of marketing hmm. that needs to be done, yeah. and the ones that I see." still either sustaining or, you know, or jumping ahead or even the newbies that are coming in and surpassing people who have been doing it for decades. It has a lot to do with the fact that they're getting connected to the right people as far as education and learning, and they're evolving with the time. So I, I truly believe that you should just never stop learning whatever that looks like for you. Of course, you know, that doesn't mean take every course webinar and, all that jazz that comes your way. Uh, But yeah, education.
0: It's true. And and it's an interesting point that you make at the end. And this follows a a line of thinking that we've discussed here on the podcast, which is if you're clear about what your, we refer to it as a big picture view here, but your overarching Mm -hmm. goals are, those overarching goals should drive certainly what you do in your personal life. And that trickles down to your business as well. Mm -hmm. And that can ultimately filter out what you spend your time and money on. So You're right. There are all these workshops and conferences and and so forth that pop up, but you can filter, you can even filter that stuff out. You can decide, Hey, my money is best spent here, but not here based on my goals and my business and my personal life. Uh, you can make those decisions intelligently, but the, the significance of learning. I, I know everyone's experience in life is different and that affects how they see this process of learning or their preferences when it comes to how they learn. I, I can very much relate to you, Anisha in that I, I love to learn. Honestly, I kind of get bored if, if I don't see or hear something new. And mm-hmm, I love yeah. the process of learning. I've taken it to a different level, particularly with riding a motorcycle. And I'm learning how to ride a motorcycle on a racetrack and with a, with a, a motorcycle that can do, I mean, this past season, I, I did 160 miles an hour down, down a racetrack and you're on this machine, which can, can kill you if you do something stupid. Um, but you're, you're learning technique, which ultimately can potentially minimize injury or even keep you alive. And so it takes it to the next level. But, you know, even learning something small, that you can then take and this is what's really important that you could then take and apply to your life or apply to your business because it's one mm-hmm. thing to take inf- information and in, it's another thing to actually do something with it. Yes, um, But it's, <laughs> it's really important that we do that. And to the other point that you made, relevancy, staying relevant. And we're going to talk about this with regards to video marketing here in a second, but mm-hmm. staying relevant, if you're not up with what's going on in the industry, you can't keep your business relevant and there's a likelihood that you can stray behind and, and miss out. And so, you know, something that I do on a daily basis or a relatively daily basis, I should say, uh, I even did it this morning. I was traveling back from, uh, from Austin, but I had the opportunity to jump in and I use an app called feedly feedly. It's just spelled F-E-E-D-L-Y. F E E D L Y. And through feedly, this app, I subscribe to different blogs, uh, both in the photography industry and in the tech industry and in design, uh, motorcycles. I mentioned I'm, that's just something that I am interested in and even pop culture just to stay up. To what's going on and, and be aware of what's going on again in the photography industry and in the tech industry and so on and so forth so that i can be as relevant as possible and it's interesting too when you take in new information sometimes it can spark an idea for your business and that can be really exciting as well so whether you take it in through blogs or through video content, YouTube, or or other educational channels, it's important that we take in information and we stay relevant. And uh, this is this is good. I'm glad that we're highlighting this. Is there a particular way that you tend to take in information, Nisha?
1: I am both visual and I. Oh man, I always forget the word. Is it kinetic? Like where you have to do it too? Is that the one? I know, I know there's like three different ways. Um, hearing, like showing i always forget the there's a specific or the tongue twisted term but um i learn by seeing and doing okay i will also i'm old school too when it comes to reading like i just got audible but i am a go to the bookstore get the book and highlight the heck out of the book write notes in it that's me (laughs) yeah
0: and is that tangible process i mean do you feel like you can learn more effectively that way
1: I feel like you have a more intimate experience with the content. Like hmm. when one of my favorite books is um, Brand Story by Donald oh, Miller. Oh yeah,
0: Building a Story Brand. Yeah, Donald Miller yeah. for sure.
1: I always confuse his title of the books. I'm like, this isn't, he means it that way. The, the title was written on purpose that way. But I'm like, this technically isn't grammatically correct. <laughs> so when you tell people to look up the book, they're like, it's not coming up. And I'm like, this is how you have to put it in. But um, what, that book changed my life. I went to like after that. First of all, I read it in a, in a week, No, why. And I literally went to my website and took off, like, I will have to say at least 65% of the content I had on there. That wow. was just garbage after reading it. Yep. It did change in addition to, like I said, implementing the video marketing aspect. So it, it just made it even better, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, it's it is. A, you mentioned reading it in a week, and unfortunately, it is a book that that flows pretty well. You know, a lot of business books and self help books. There's just a lot of fluff in there, and and you're like, okay, get to the point. But with this book, there was so much wonderful, tangible, practical content. And I love that you went and did something with it, too. That's, that's huge. But that is, if I were to recommend any marketing book, actually, at this point in time in 2019, that would likely be it, or certainly in the top three. I cannot recommend it enough. So for those of you listening in, we'll make sure to link to Building a Story Brand with Donald Miller in the show notes. Um, if you do Google search, you can find a variety of information around the topic too. I think they've got a resource that helps you in defining your brand or building a brand, an, a- on a website um, that you yes. can a, a process <laughs> that you can step by step go through, which is great too. But yeah, we'll link to that in the show notes. Make sure you check it out. It, you can get the audio book if you prefer to listen to it in the car, or grab that book and take notes, like Le- Anisha is talking about. I'm so torn on that, Anisha, because <laughs> I, I've got Kindle and and very few physical books actually at this point, just because I'm a minimalist kind of freak. I, I just don't like a lot of stuff. So the idea that I can stick my Kindle in my bag, like over the weekend, it was just a backpack travel kind of weekend. I can stick the Kindle in there. I've got you know my library with me, basically. But it, you do miss out on that process of, like you said, that intimate experience with the book where you're taking notes and highlighting and maybe writing notes to yourself for later. And what does this mean to you? And uh, I, I'm so torn because I, I miss that. <laughs> I, I, I really like that process. But either way, we'll link to this book in the show notes for those of you listening in. Talk about time. We, we did already, and, and I think in a much more poignant way than we sometimes have the opportunity to. But Finding time can be difficult as a business owner. What's one tip or technique, workflow tip or technique that you utilize in your life to create more time for yourself um, so that you can you know, focus on others or to stay centered or um, you know, maybe just watch some Netflix?
1: <laughs> um, well, first, honestly, video marketing uh, is okay. one. Okay. It def- like I said, it, it definitely brought balance back into my life because I'm, I'm a communicator. I'm big on communication and I'm also a questioner. So with those two character traits myself, I am one that's like, have to provide information. I want to make sure that they know. So one, they can never say, well, I didn't know. And two, so that they're informed. And that might also come from my nursing past because as a nurse, we dealt with two aspects, education all the time. Even if you were teaching a patient about Tylenol, which most people know, you had to do it. And then the other thing was, if you you didn't write it down, it never happened. So for me, I kind of translate that to using video marketing and also how you communicate with people.
0: So how does that ultimately then save you time, though? How does that create more space in your life so you can... I, I think on your website, you talk about curling up with your dog and watching a show. Like yeah. how, do you, how do you use this video marketing then as a, as a tool that opens up space in your life so you can do that kind of thing?
1: Right. So my theory is if someone is asking me a question more than once. So for instance, if, if three different clients are asking the same question, that becomes a video because the time that I would spend to write an email, even with a, like some people use canned responses or email template, right? You still have to, the, I love email templates and I have a few, so I'm not saying they don't work, but you still have to kind of tweak them per person because everyone understands, you know, things differently. So you can only go so far with words that are written as opposed to words that are spoken. When someone can hear what you're saying, you know, see what you're what you look like when you're saying it, hear the tone. Most people honestly understand what you're saying when you have a video attached, like I'll just use even a podcast, for example, of course, they can hear what we're saying. But if there was a video component, as we were talking, they can hear the emotion like, okay, well, she looks excited. So it you know what I mean, that just adds to it. So for me, video has definitely saved time, because I can just make one video that is that is formatted in the sense that the person viewing it feels like I just made it for them. And that's really one of the tricks to to video marketing done the right way is creating a video that was formatted in a manner that anyone can watch it and think that was for me, even though we know they're not the only one who watched it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And this is, this, this stirs up some, some kind of thoughts internally for me as you're talking about that. I'm going to save it because we, I know we're going to get to the video marketing piece here in just a second, but I can see what you're talking about. I mean, if, if if you're going to take the time to create a template and that's going to go to this client anyway, why not personalize it? And mm-hmm. then you can just pull from that. Do you do you link to that video? Do you somehow attach the video to the email? How do you go about getting that to the to the person asking the question?
1: Oh yeah, there. I I use different methods. Some of some of the videos are directly like in the email body. Some of it is like a a thumbnail that I created, and then it will link them to a video somewhere else, whether on my website or directly on YouTube. It really depends on what I'm actually talking about in the video. Like, for example, I'll just give a freebie. I don't care. Um, (laughs) I give a friendly reminder to my couples about two to four weeks. It depends, honestly, on the couple. And that's what I mean by knowing your people and knowing how to use video the right way. Because I have some last minute couples that if I tell them four weeks out, they're not going to do it. So I have to tell them two weeks. So they're like, oh my gosh, this is a priority now. Um, but in that video, like I remind them, you know, get your rings cleaned, get the invitation suite together. If you haven't mailed it to me already, put all your accessories and your dress together. So you're not following day up. Like those are just some of the things wedding wise that, that I share in this video. And I kid you not to date almost every couple that I've sent that to, whether the bride alone or the couple together, they're like you're the only vendor that I've hired that has done something like that, hmm. or or I'll get that in a, in a combination to, I need, I forgot about this. Thank you for you know mentioning that in the video. And then they would forward it to like their maid of honor so that the maid of honor was in the loop with what they needed to have done as well. So there's just a lot of things that you can do with, with video. And I think that business owners limit their mindset to what's in front of them, which is where I come in because I literally have sat down with non-wedding professionals. So I'm talking about DJs, hairstylists, healthcare professionals, which is completely night and day. But I think my nursing background might have a little bit of you know, influence on that. But I've been able to help people from all different walks. Um, in my group, I have a babysitting company that comes to your wedding to babysit kids.
0: No way. That's cool. Yeah.
1: Like literally a masseuse, I I can go on forever about the different people that are in the uh, doula, Uh, like, and I'm able to help them, you know, with video marketing, because I I think too, just having that outside eye looking in uh, when it comes to your business, which I also have for my own business. It just helps you because you're so close as the business owner, you can't see everything. Right. But when you have somebody from the outside saying, "Hey, you know, move this, change this, take this out," here's where you can use video, etc. They're like, "Oh my goodness!" And uh, even recently. I did a 28 day challenge in my group for people who were afraid to get on camera. And literally like the messages I get like, Oh my gosh, you know, I connected with this customer or somebody bought, or just the simple fact that they see people actually do care and people are watching their, you know, their Instagram stories as they did each challenge of the day. It's like, Oh, I do have an audience. It's like, yeah, but they don't know who the heck you are because you never showed your face. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, now you showed your face and they're like, Oh, I like this person. And yes, you will go through, I don't like this person and that's okay because you want to have your ideal, you know, audience. Sure. And once when you use video the right way, that is the first thing that happens, you start to mold and build your ideal audience and then then the relationship goes back to that no like and trust factor. Now they're like, "Okay, well what does Anisha do? Oh, well I like this. Well, how do I get involved? How do I experience what these people have experienced?"
0: Oh, I like this. This is really, really good. But you're right. And I actually, I was making note as you were talking uh, to look up, there, there's a tool, and I cannot think of it for the life of me right the second. There's a tool specifically made for more easily sending a video message through email. Do, do you know what that might be offhand?
1: Oh, gosh, there's so many, but um, you can use Loom.
0: Loom, I think is the one that I was, yeah, that, that's the one that yeah. I had heard of, um, maybe in more than one occasion. Um, I may, I may start to do, I I like the the personal (laughs) idea, the the idea of personally connecting with someone through video. I know that, I I guess that the the main reason that I might hold back from it is because in some cases, whether it's a a personal connection or a a professional connection, they can't Mm -hmm. actually look at a video wherever they may be, whether they're at work or, or Mm. out or, or otherwise. And so it's very easy to pull up a text message, Mm-hmm. Whether via email or actual text, and and very quickly look at a message that way versus video. But the video aspect seems so much more personal, and you know you can actually add emotion. They can see your eyes. You're right, it, and it would naturally filter out those who aren't a good connection for you.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely,
0: that's really really good. Okay, uh, we're going to keep <laughs> moving because we have a lot to get to. I, you already mentioned one of the most impactful books that you've read: mm-hmm. uh, "Building a Story Brand," Donald Miller. Will you name maybe one or two others that come to mind that have just made a really big impact, whether it's on your business or your life or both?
1: I read Purple Cow, just more so honestly, because a lot of people were talking about it. And I was like, let me see what this is about. Uh, Yeah, his mind, love his mindset. That's the undercover nerd in me. I was like, get it. Totally get it. Connected. Uh, So I uh, I liked that book. So that would be another one. And then I read... This book called A Six Figure Woman. Okay. And obviously, the title tells you why, but I didn't go into it like, oh, I'm going to read this book and I'm going to be rich. That wasn't it. I really wanted to know what the mindset of a six figure woman was like and, you know, just how to mold my mind to fit that. And I ended up being at WPPI under that category <laughs> didn't even know that that was, you know what I mean? Like that was going to be the future after reading that book and sure. modeling some things into my life. But that's what I mean by education and educating yourself and as a business owner. And I'm not talking about just the creative side. I'm, re- I'm literally talking about the business side. And even when you go to these conferences, you notice the business classes are smaller than the creative classes. Right, right. And my mindset is again, you will, you know, and, and, and no shade to anybody like, you know, maybe they need to freshen up one off camera flash or whatever the case may be. But I think you all you all get to a creative point and then you peak and then it's like, OK, and once you peak, that's fine. That's great. Now you got your style and what your clients like and what you like. Now you need to go to that next level. Now, how do I grow and learn more in business? And so, yeah, I would say those are my two books that I really, really like and probably would give to another entrepreneur if they ask. Even a even a man, the six figure woman
0: is fine. Fair enough. change We'll we'll link to both of them in the show notes for our <laughs> listeners too. I and I have to say that Seth Godin, I really have a lot of respect for his writing style where mm-hmm. he Again, to, to those authors who tend to kind of use, and maybe it's because of pressure from the publishers, but there's just a lot of fluff in these books. Seth gets to the point, is able to communicate an idea or a concept very, very quickly, very efficiently, and you know, maybe a, a sentence or a paragraph or two or three paragraphs. If any of you listening in have not read his blog before, we'll link to it in the show notes as well um that is a source of if nothing else thought provoking ideas marketing is is at least one of his specialties yeah. <laughs> and, um, and he recently in fact he even came out with with a book recently I haven't read it yet um, at, within the last year or so I, th- I think around the topic of marketing again so it, we'll, we'll also link to that in the show notes this is going to be a wealth of show notes and by the way for those of you listening in if you go to bokeh, B-O-K-E-H com, the show notes for today's episode will be there with all the resources that uh, Anisha and I have discussed you're going to m- want to make sure you take advantage of that for sure Anisha what's the most unusual item in your camera bag that enables you to be a better videographer or a better photographer?
1: Oh, that's a good one. (laughs) Okay. Oh man, unusual. I probably would have to say, oh, okay. Can it be like a part of my camera equipment, but not in the bag? Okay. I'm like, wait a minute. (laughs) Okay. So I am big on styling details, especially bridal details. So I did take the time to go to an antique store and get like the little serving plates the silver plates yeah i have both a real one like a real sterling so like it's super old antique obviously and then i have one from the dollar store <laughs> okay. and you cannot tell the difference in the photo uh, the dollar store is a little bit more shinier though i think just because it's new right but you know, the the look that I want is why I have both, but I have a separate bag. And he see, this is where a video comes in. Cause I was like, see, I could show you, but um, I could tell you the bag that I have, it has all these different accessories in it that help me to kind of, you know, just give the detail shots a little bit more flavor. So it's not just like the typical stuff that we see, which is shoe on the veil their shoe you know this way and and the heel and then that's it like so when you have these other pieces that you add to your style it really does make you unique and stand out i literally had a planner like put me on her instagram stories and she's like see this is a photographer that you need who brings <laughs> props to you know and i have like a little uh serving plates yeah, again yeah. from the antique store Hint, hint, guys like You can get it from, you You might have to spend time there as far as looking for what you want, but it's worth it. But yeah, I put these little plates that were like tea cup holder plates. I was able to put like my bride's rings and their jewelry on. And when they get the photos back, they're like, oh my gosh, like that's my jewelry. That's my, you know what I mean? Cause you're just giving it that little extra touch that helps it stand out. So I would say like those things to me are unique cause when I pull them out, everyone's like, Who does that? (laughs) Um,
0: (laughs) That's so great. And it doesn't even have to cost that much either. I'd love going to an antique store. um, (laughs) And again, it doesn't have a lot of the things in an antique store are not going to be particularly expensive and you can get Mm -hmm. really creative. And then as you're pointing out, you have all these different props to mix it up because you're right. A a lot of those detail shots tend to be the same over and over and over. And I mean, I was guilty of it, certainly, um, but (laughs) over and over and over again just a little bit of time, a little bit of money, and then you can bring something with you that adds a little bit of creativity to it. I think that's a great idea. Really, yep. really cool. Well, let's, let's jump into our, (laughs) what is our primary topic we've, we've already covered so much, but let's talk about video marketing and, and more specifically in 2019, how we can stay most relevant. What are the trends in video marketing in 2019? But before we get into those details, what, why does, and I know this is a bit of a rhetorical question, but why does video matter? And we've talked about it a little bit. Are there some kind of not so obvious advantages though of video marketing over other forms? (laughs)
1: The biggest advantage that I see from myself and my clients with video marketing is the organic aspect of it. You can save so much money that you would normally spend on paid advertising and marketing, which let me put before I continue, that will never go away. There will always be things that you will want to push an ad on. So don't think I'm saying you just get on video and you completely don't have to spend any money. That's sure. not true. Sure. You just won't have to spend as much. That part I can say when you're doing video the right way because you're saving all that money you know, on the front end when you're creating videos that are, for your audience that resonate with your audience that are relevant. So then when you want to push an ad, whether it's for a particular video you created or maybe something else, you have the funds to do that. So for example, uh, one of my industry friends, Chip Desart, like we talk about Facebook ads all the time.
0: Yeah. Chip was on the podcast.
1: Yeah. He's off his, his Facebook ad knowledge is crazy. It's kind of like my video marketing. I was like, why do you know all this stuff?
0: Oh, and his energy is so great too. I mean, it, yeah. you, you all share that in, <laughs> in common as well. His energy is just so like, it, it's it's very much contagious. I love it.
1: Yeah, he's, he's amazing. And we talked a little bit about like incorporating video into Facebook ads, because a lot of people are still doing either the carousel ads, or just a still image. And it's still th- neither one of those have as much impact as a video. I mean, even think about when you're on Instagram, and you're scrolling through your feed, like, Oh, nice picture, nice picture. And then you see a video, even if it's for an ad that for something you would never use, you stop because you're like, Oh, it's video. So what is this? Hmm. And then you then you decide, do you want to watch it or do you want to scroll? And yes, that does that does happen in video, but that's what I was talking about earlier about avoiding that emotional manipulation. Is that the the customer gets to make that decision, hmm. whether to, to to you know do that next step? And I think what we are seeing a little bit with video is. People come out wrong from jump. They're not. They're not even coming with the pain point of whatever you know the target audience they're trying to reach. It's like, hi, I'm so and so. Nobody cares who you are right now. What is? What are you solving? What are you gonna do for me? And so, yeah. And so that's the the trend that I see. uh, Primarily is the organic marketing that you can still do, despite what you know people are saying, because even. As my, I love Chip. And trust me, he's helping me with a Facebook ad for my education. So I don't even want to sound like I'm being hypocritical. But even Facebook ad reach has changed because it has. now it's costing more.
0: Yep. No, it definitely has changed. Yeah. Um, I, I, this, this may be a good segue though to mm-hmm. my, my next question, which has to do with something that's on your, your site. You get this quote, deeper than pretty visuals. Does this mm-hmm. kind of play in the idea that we're talking about going beyond just the imagery to video? Can you explain a little bit what that statement means?
1: Absolutely. So, you know, we started out on the internet and again, pictures will never go away. I'm I'm not saying that. But we started out with, you know, make sure your portfolio is this and you have to have this kind of image and it was just photography, photography. Well, guess what? There's tons of photographers out there, even non-professional that can basically do what you do now, even with their cell phone. So going deeper with with video, again, gives you that personalization, it it gives it brings back humanization to your brand. And I'm going to say this, and hopefully nobody throws rocks through the podcast. But (laughs) but a lot of photographers are, are putting styled shoot content on their websites. I can I can spot it because I'm a professional. But couples can't. And what happens is you don't deliver that same level of quality just because we don't have the time to, you know that on the wedding day. So then they're looking at your site and they're like, well, this was like, excuse me, like dang near perfect. yeah." And my wedding day was like, whose Polaroid did you borrow? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah, so with, with video it definitely adds that humanization. and adds that reality. And like, even on my site, I have a, a five minute video and I know people are like five minutes. Yes, people actually watch it. And I have a five minute video that I'm literally walking through how I shoot the bride up to, you know, a little bit before the ceremony. And I'm showing what it looks like in real time, like in the hotel room where she's getting ready with the, you know, bridal robes and her girls and all that. And then as I'm shooting, I show little shots of my actual photos so that people can see like, this was the setup. Here's the here's the final image in that one video. So there is no where the images look really, really great on that website, but then you can't deliver that. And that's what I'm seeing a lot of people struggle with, too, is just like they don't have any humanization or brand uniqueness to really make them stand out. And they're just going to so and so's website and saying, Oh, well, I need to have three images in a border. So that's what I'm going to do. And it's like, <laughs> that, that's not, that doesn't make you stand out. So again, you're boring the, the consumer and they're they're going to go to somebody else.
0: Well, you know, I, I like this. This is interesting. First of all, you, you make a really great point that styled shoots have become so popular. The reality is that putting those images on a site doesn't necessarily represent what you can provide in a less than ideal location, especially if you're a wedding photographer. And so it would be good, first of all, to to post content, uh, portfolio images that actually reflect what you shoot, where you shoot. But I like taking it to the idea of taking it to the next level and having video and actually demonstrating. Not Not only do they get to see you working or see you talking to the camera, then demonstrate how you're in this particular scenario, you capture that image, and this is the final product, what it looks like. Uh, I think that 's really great, and, it's, and it brings a level of transparency that 's really important and certainly personalization I think that 's really, really great. It, it actually takes me back to some of the videos that used to and i don't think, i don 't think photographers are really doing this anymore some of the so called industry celebrities years ago, um, you know maybe eight, ten years ago or whatever they were putting out these before the whole online education thing and the courses and workshops and so forth became such a big deal. Um, they would put together DVDs, and you could buy a DVD and watch so and so go shoot a wedding and and see what they were doing and what they were yeah. getting from that scene. And I yeah. th- th- I really like that because it it gives you again a very personalized experience or, or look, I guess, ultimately into what this photographer does, and the the notion of doing that as kind of everyday photographers, if you will, I think it's a really great idea. Um, yeah. th- this brings me though, and again, it's another good segue to, um, mm-hmm. my next question, which is how does video marketing now differ than into, say 10 years ago? Um, when things were obviously different, I mean, first of all, we had DVDs, right? That was a yeah. thing. Uh, but how <laughs> yeah. else does it different differ now than even the last five or 10 years?
1: I, I really think that it just adds to the overall experience. Again, I know we, it sounds like we're being redundant, but it, that means that it's stuff that really happens. The personalization aspect, the humanization, people can spot an ad a mile away. And actually, I, I do want to add this in there, which is proof of what's happening with Facebook ads, is that peop- when a consumer knows that something is an ad, they're immediately turned off immediately. Hmm. So they're less likely to buy. So when you actually now use a video in a non-ad like way, like of course, what you're talking about is going to lead back to your product or service, right? So yes, inevitably you are kind of pushing ad like content, but it doesn't have to scream, Hey, I'm an ad buy. And I think that's where a lot of business owners in any market do it wrong. I also think that and I have to say this, and I'm going to explain it a little bit more. I think that the wedding industry professionals they haven't niched down what they do, and what I mean by that is, people say their niche is I'm a wedding photographer or videographer, right? That's not your niche. That's your market. Your niche is how you serve, you know, your clients and mm. what you do. So, for yeah, example, yeah, I like that distinction. Right. My niche is I, I'm, I'm bright, clean and soul touching. Those are, those are three aspects that you will see in all of my work, video, photo, if you want to say video ads, video marketing, all that good stuff. Um, but I seal soul touching moments. Like I know that my clients I'm so niche down between all three aspects of the the visuals. I just told you photo and video and, you know, the board, um, promos and all that other stuff. I'm so niche down that my clients use my terms. I don't tell them I'm soul touching, bright and clean and you should book me. They come to me. As a matter of fact, that's partly how I got my terms because people kept using these words. And I was just like, there seems to be a trend here. Let me, (laughs) let me really look and see like, and I already knew I was like soul touching. I already knew I was bright and clean, but I never really used them because I just didn't. I didn't attach to it yet until I started seeing like that is the experience that I'm giving. So you know that you're doing your visuals right. You know that your videos are being done right. And and yes, going back to your photography is being done right. When your clients are using terms that that are in alignment with your brand and when someone can go from one platform that you are on to another and and there's cohesiveness. One thing I see a lot with video is you'll go on someone's Facebook page and it's like their video is like dark on that page, right? Right but then on on Instagram or their website it's bright and airy and it doesn't align with is this from the same brand you mm, know what i'm saying is yeah. that going to is that what i'm going to get cuz that doesn't match <laughs> so that's another thing with you know doing video the, the right way in your business And just really just knowing you need to really niche down i think i personally I think that a lot of business owners now, like in this day and age need to actually do that. Like they need to stop for a minute, sit down and really niche down what, what they actually do, because a lot of websites and a lot of work is just starting to look the same. And so video, yes, is helping people stand out, but it's also exposing people as well. And that's really what's keeping certain businesses afloat and others that are closing. Like, I, I hate to say this, but, um, well, you know that I, I speak at conferences in different locations and sometimes locally here. And a lot of the questions that I get, it's like people are telling me like, I I'm, I want to do video because I'm not making any money. And I'm talking about these are people who've been in industry like I wasn't even born yet, like they've been in and they're closing doors. And and I, I feel bad. But a lot of it, again, is not evolving. And I keep telling people one thing that I either open or close with depends on the audience I'm talking to is you know, would you close your business simply because you didn't get on video? If that was what was going to save your business, but you're like, oh, I don't want to be seen on camera. I'm afraid. Now your business closes just from that one simple marketing fix that can shift your business like entirely because Generation Z and partially millennials, which is what I fall under, they're not reading. They don't want to read. They want to get straight to the point. They want Mm. to see what it's like. They want to, quote unquote, see the experience or tap into the experience, like I like to say. And so video allows you to do that. Like they will sit there and watch a video. As a matter of fact, they'll watch all your videos on your site and tell you where they were and how long it was. And I love this part. But they're not reading like that. So, yes, we, we need text and images on our website for like SEO purposes. But even now, video is showing up primary when you Google search. If you look now compared to 10 years ago and you, you know, you went online to, to search for something, you weren't seeing video pop up like that. It started with text, and then years, you know, evolved, and then it was text, and then images became primary. Now video is showing up before you even see uh, photos related to whatever you're Google searching. So I, you know, I just say, as far as the, the time frame in years, you know, there's so much you can do with it now, compared to back then, I think, you know, it was just in, in its infancy and now it's evolved so much that you can have a small business look like a huge corporation by just simply being on video and showing up consistently
0: well and then there's the personal element and then you make an interesting point which is the, the reality and, and shift in the market to a, a younger generation which just doesn't prefer to read the text you know the the, the more dynamic i guess tendency of video versus a static image and some text uh, in and of itself is I think in some ways much more engaging. And so that might be the initial draw. Then they have the opportunity to get to know you on a personal level, to see your eyes and, and kind of at least try to gauge whether or not you're you're legit, you're for real. And and then you have the opportunity to very quickly, I, I love the point that you made earlier, which is to get to the point, you know, the, it, instead of spending five minutes doing an intro talking about who you are and what you've accomplished, Um, getting to the point of what it is that you're offering, what value you're adding to that person's life is really, really important too. Because in addition to the the tendency toward video Uh, there is also a tendency toward a a shorter attention span, um, at least in in many cases. And so we have to also be cognizant of that. But again, another segue into my next question, which is video marketing in 2019. You're already beginning to touch on this, but will you name a few trends that you're seeing in video marketing in 2019 that photographers and videographers alike should be aware of and, and take to their businesses?
1: Sure, I can tell you right off the bat. Uh, live streaming is number one. Uh, Facebook Live, IGTV Live, which before I get because I get so excited when I talk about stuff like this. So, <laughs> okay, <laughs> look up Lula TV. So it's L O O L A dot TV. Uh, because I'll forget, but um, that that will allow you to live stream from your desktop to multiple platforms at once so you can like live stream to instagram tv um youtube tiktok there's like a few others yeah it's it's, really good
0: spell that out one more time for me
1: it's mm -hmm, it's l-o-o-l-a dot tv okay cool yeah and i have a blog post about it. i can send you that if you want if people want like a setup uh walkthrough it's not it's it's very user-friendly but i know some people still want that
0: yeah, handle. absolutely. We'll link to that. We'll link to, to both uh, actually resources in the show notes for those of you listening and just go to book podcast.com and we'll, we'll have that. So, okay. So live streaming and, and I'm all for simplicity and minimalism, as I said earlier. So the idea that you can go to one platform and push out to multiple platforms is wonderful.
1: Yeah. Um, another app you can use, I was just talking about this, uh, with you before, um, before we started talking was, um, Ecamm live and, um, Ecamm Live. Oh, it's my favorite. You can do so much. I can just have another episode, podcast episode with you about this one app. <laughs> okay. But I literally I host my shows through that. I do live, like Facebook Live masterclasses in my Facebook group through it. I have recorded videos for my website through it. So like I have a video on my education site that talks about the shop, the Facebook group and my mentoring sessions. All of that was done on Ecam Live. You can literally like just set up your webcam, you know, do your lighting, all that good stuff, record and go. And it's and it's done for you. So, and and it'll pick up as long as you have like a good mic, it'll pick up that way as well. It's I love Ecamm. So, the, number one, definitely Facebook Live. Number two, I know people are like eh, IGTV is definitely not going anywhere. And Instagram stories, And I kind of put them together because they're both on the Instagram platform, even though they're two different ways of using it. But Instagram is actually going to push less attention onto the feed and more attention to your Instagram stories. So if you're seeing like a decrease in engagement, it's because it's already happening. They're just kind of doing it subtly. So I know this is going to be like what every day, but yes, Pretty much almost every day, you need to be on Instagram stories doing something. Yes, you can show up with pictures. Yes, you can show up with pre-recorded videos formatted for Instagram stories. But the best way to increase engagement is definitely to show your face on Instagram stories. IGTV, you can use that to actually link people back to your content. So I'm talking about booking, free downloads, opt-ins. And again, this is something I can talk about uh, further, but, um, that the conversion rate on that is very high if you do it right and you again are talking about content that's relevant to your audience. So, first one was live streaming. The second one was Instagram as far as using IGTV and Instagram stories. And then the third one, and I know this one's kind of like easy, but still people are like weaning away from it. I do not recommend this especially after the social media apocalypse we just had, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) blogging with video on, I don't call it vlogging because those are two different things, but blogging with video. So for example, like what you do, having a blog that outlines your podcast, but then there, there would be like a video piece to it. You can do stuff like transcribe your entire episode where that becomes the text component and people watch the video. And if they want to read the text for specifics or extra details or links, um, you can do that. Or you cut it in half and you do like 10 bullet points and you tell them, watch the video, like what, whichever way you wanna do it and works best for your audience. When you first start, of course, you have to test it out. But blogging with video is definitely going to be the next thing because the reason why I put this up there is you own your website and you own your blog. If for any reason, Facebook and Instagram shut down, you're done, Like, you don't have that connection to the people that, you know, you had on those social platforms. So you need to pull them off of that and connect them to your website. Simple uh, method is obviously to get their email. Uh, And then from there, just make sure the content you're sending them is relevant to what they want to see from you. Nobody wants to hear about your dog in every, you know, email newsletter that you send, they will unsubscribe. Like, you need to be sending content that made them subscribe to you in the first place. They, we, we are not your personal diary, and I tell people that all the time. Like,
0: <laughs> it's true.
1: Like, I don't know how to blog, or nobody is reading yet yeah, because we don't. What like, everyone has their own problems. Like, I'm just being honest. Like, yep. I have unsubscribed from certain blogs that initially were giving me great content, and then it was like all of a sudden I became their their emotional dumping ground, and yes. I'm like, no, I'm sorry, I have to unsubscribe. Like, you're not. This is not the user-friendly content that I want, maybe for some yeah. of you others, but not me. So
0: what do you think that's about it, that this has happened so much? I mean, I, I, in some ways it feels like maybe it's dying down at least a little bit, but it, not only, I mean, whether it's video or just social media, text posts on social media, that this just, I don't know, the, the tendency, I guess, very simply for people to just dump their feelings, their emotions, their insecurities, etc., online. And in some cases... Under the guise of quote being transparent, and then of course people prop them up. But thank you for being honest and so forth. But it just it'd be one thing if it was you know one out of every ten or fifteen posts or maybe twenty posts. But it's like five out of ten or eight (laughs) out of ten, and then it just becomes kind of exhausting to to watch or to listen to or to see. And and then you at, at least I don't know for somebody who is at least halfway analytical, you can't help but wonder if there's a little bit of a desire there for just attention and 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 I don't know, you can go to down a, a maybe a deep, dark hole there, but what is it about that that people want to just kind of unload almost like verbally or otherwise vomit to the world versus just focusing on adding value? I mean, it's one thing to share lessons that you've learned. It's another thing to just whine about all your problems.
1: Right. <laughs> With sensitivity to, you know, anyone that's listening, because I don't want to be rude, but I am straightforward. I do think that what you're saying has some, I can agree uh, to an extent is, is what I'll say. I do. I have seen it with some, and that's like, even with my story, I'll, I'll stick to myself that way. I don't feel like I'm single anybody, you know, or attacking sure, anybody. Cause sure. I don't know. You don't know everyone's heart. It's true. Especially if you don't know the person and you only know them online. So I'll just, I'll just leave with that disclaimer and come back to myself. I know for me, I, when i when i came out about my cancer on social media i did it very strategically first off i was already done with treatment so it was kind of like hey this is what i was going through and some people were like what the heck because i was still working you would never know yeah. that i was going through that right so but when i came out it was more so hey i beat it you know, this is, this is, this is about resilience. I want to encourage you. And I have always been that kind of person. Like I'll post, you know, a few pretty wedding pictures and then somewhere there's a quote in there that's to make them mentally strong. So I've always kind of mixed it in that way. So I think if, if the person has been that kind of content uh, creator and and the sharing of that content, then their audience is used to it. But I never wanted to have the pity party, uh, which is why I did not post about it all the time. And I think, I think for some people in our industry, it, it actually becomes an expectancy because they they are using that whatever their their um, hardship is so much that now they're expected to talk about it. So hmm. if they weren't talking about it, now it becomes like, well what 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 else do you have going on because we just want to hear about this Like I'll give a, a positive, more positive example like Jenna Kutcher she talked about she talks a lot about body image, but the way she did it, was like own yourself, own it. You know, she showed herself as you know, as naked as she could online without you know being vulgar or getting um, blocked. Sure. And you know, women ate it up. But on on the flip side, she also shares how people attack her for being you know for how she looks and being with a man who looks like a supermodel. Uh, you know what I'm saying? And so I feel like when you're sharing those kind of things. There is some level of authenticity where she's like, "Look, this is my life. This is me. I love me, and I don't care if you don't like it." And you know that's different. Um, but I do think that there needs there there is a. My friend Josh Medlin said it very well recently. He said, "On social media, we get to a point where there is inauthenticity in your authenticity. If that yeah, makes sense, yeah." And when he wrote that, I was like, oh, man, bro, like put it on a Uh, (laughs) T-shirt. Like he was so right. It's like you do. It gets to a point where it's like, "Okay, enough about, you know, whatever the case may be. And let's talk about, you know, let's talk about something else. But I think people also are slightly to the point on social where they don't know what to say. And so their first thing is, let me share my hardships, because that seems to be, you know, that seems to be the way.
0: That's it. Okay, but I want to I pause it right there because you said something really interesting to me. They don't know what to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and by the way, this is, this is me just kind of thinking out loud and, and applying it to, to my own self as well because I, I want to make sure that whether it's the podcast or otherwise, that the content, that the so-called, I'm going to put in air quotes again here, content, what I'm adding to or giving to the world, what I'm putting out there in conversation, through the podcast, the work that I'm doing with photographers, editor, or otherwise, that I'm ultimately adding value. And it's interesting to think, though, about the fact that, I mean, I, I've been working behind the scenes, I guess a little bit transparently here on the podcast as well, though, but uh, on, on my ability as a conversationalist. And when you run out of things to say, I, this is the lesson I've learned for myself anyway. Many times when you run out of things to say, it's because you're not doing very much, right? So if, if you're not actually living life in a very wide-ranging Adventurous life, then you're likely not going to have a lot to talk about. If you're not proactively making an effort to learn on a daily or at least weekly basis, then you're not going to have a whole lot to talk about. If you're simply reacting to everything happening to you in the world, then you're likely going to run out of things to talk about. You're not going to be as interesting. And this has been a very compelling thought for me because I'm there as a formerly, I guess, I labeled myself as, as an introvert and I talk about this in the podcast. I don't, I think those are more labels than anything, anything else now, but I realized that my tendency toward not having things to talk about or not feeling like I had a lot to talk about and whether it's a one-on-one conversation or group scenario was I wasn't mm-hmm. living enough. Mm-hmm. I needed, to, I need to actually live more and, and I'll have plenty to share, plenty to talk about. I need to learn more and I'll have plenty to be able to share and so I, I think it's important to note that, that those who have a tendency of you know, trolling online or just sitting online and complaining and whining, they're likely not really making a ton of effort to actually live an interesting life and to learn consistently to grow as individuals. If they were, I think in some cases, they would at least have more to offer. But at the end of the day, regardless of any one situation, because as you pointed out, we can't judge effectively from the outside. But I, I would at least like to, to suggest... To those who are posting content online, whether you're doing it for the sake of your business or your, or your, your personal life, just kind of quote for fun, that you focus on adding value to those around you, whether it's online or in person or otherwise, focus on adding value. Share something that you've learned or share maybe an experience that made an impact in your life and how it made an impact in your life. Do something that adds value versus constantly focusing kind of on the negative and, and, and all the struggles. It's one thing to struggle. We all struggle. I do. And, and I've, I'm sure I've talked about it here on the podcast multiple times at this point, but move on from it. We, <laughs> we learned something through that struggle, but move on from it. Share what you've learned, how you've grown through it, and what you've done to move on from it versus living there all the time, because it's exhausting yeah. to, to read that and to listen to that. We need, to, we need to, to focus on learning, being proactive, moving forward in life, sharing what we've learned, adding value to the world. And I think we're going to all be much much better for it. So I know we kind of went off on a tangent a bit there, but I think it's an, <laughs> an important um, topic to to get into. Let's very quickly here as we finish up. Let's talk about kind of practical next actions for our listeners. You shared a few tangible ideas, uh, or, or not even ideas, but but um, points about video trend or video marketing trends in 2019. A focus on live streaming, um, more specifically with Facebook, and then of course. IG, Instagram as a platform, TV, which is, I'll be honest, is something that we've not tapped into at PE and Boca yet, but there's certainly a wonderful opportunity to go there. Yeah, and and Stories sure. certainly has been a, a great platform. Blogging, we, we recently had uh, Karen Julia on the podcast talking about SEO in 2019 and mm-hmm. the significance of blogs. As, as much as they seem kind of like a dated platform for marketing, they actually hold a lot of significance. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you haven't listened to episode 243 yet, make sure you go check that out. But blogging with video... But in, in, in some ways, I guess you already kind of shared some next actions, but let's leave our listeners with really tangible, practical next actions. What are a few things that they can literally, as soon as they finish listening to this episode now, they can go do?
1: Oh, <laughs> so this is Anisha taking over. I'm just kidding. All right. So, <laughs> here, there, there there, really is so much that you can do video marketing wise. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not even joking, but if, just to give you some baby steps so you don't feel overwhelmed is if you are like, you know what, I really, really want to do video in your business. Like if your mindset is set, then this is the way that you should go. Definitely tap into a resource that can guide you the right way. Because like I've been saying, you can do video the wrong way in your business, which can hurt your business. So for example, if you wanted to join my Facebook group, uh, you can definitely do that. I have some free and paid content. I keep it straightforward uh in there the next step that i tell people is to take a video marketing quiz which i also have on my website that allows you honestly to see where you can use video in your business right away uh, so there's questions that kind of allow me to assess your mindset of your like your knowledge and what you do and do not know and then at the end of it there's literally a marketing to do checklist and i ask you specific things like are you using video here have you done this blah 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 And you'd be surprised, even experienced people, which always like shocks me that they they still come to my group when they do the quiz. They have tons of things on that marketing to do list that they have not done, and it's an eye opener for them. So again, you're kind of doing like a a mini assessment. I hate that word, but that's just what came to mind right now. But uh, it's like a mini assessment, and the reason why I say to to start that way is kind of goes back to my nursing days. When I had patients, I would get report from the nurse who took care of the patient first, right? And of course, they're going to tell me, you know, Mr. Smith had visited or whatever. But when I get to the patient, you know, after I've accepted the assignment, right, and report, I still do my own assessment to see if the things that they told me are in alignment with the patient now, because that was 12 hours ago. You know, I worked 12 hour shifts, so he's not going to be the same, you know, 12 hours later, um, or, or maybe he will. So those are, but you still have to do an assessment to see now what do I need to do? So my point in sharing that is a lot of people, when they don't know what to do with video marketing, they go to someone's website and it's like, Oh, Nathan has a promo video and he's sitting outside, you know, uh, interviewing a podcast within the bushes. I don't know. I'm just being real random right now. <laughs> and so then somebody will say, well, I'm a wedding photographer. I'm going to go sit outside in the bushes. It's not going to translate to your audience the right way right, at all. Right. So that's why the assessment and being around someone who's experienced, who can look at your business from a bird's eye view and and closer, and, you know, can say, can zoom in from there and say, okay, this is where you need to start. This is what you need to do. Yeah. Objective
0: uh, feedback is good.
1: Correct. The The next thing that I would say also is if you are very comfortable with getting on camera, definitely start using Instagram stories right away. If you really have no clue what to say and not because you're not busy as far as like maybe you are booking, but you just don't know how to really use IG stories the right way. Um, and then again, doing the 28 day challenge or if you want to go find you know a challenge on Pinterest or something um, is a great way to start from there because at least with my 28-day challenge, I literally tell you exactly what to do. So all you have to do is pick up your phone, do that, post it, and you're done for the day as far as that challenge goes. Uh, Instagram stories for me taught me a lot about people who are just like very new to video. um, And it allowed them to really see how, how capable they are of doing it because they're not worried about the barriers that people normally say, which is equipment, lighting. Microphone, I'm I'm very big on audio, so I, I always tell people there's a little microphone that you can get. That plugs right into your uh, smartphone. That's a, That's a quick fix as far as audio goes because you can have a crappy video, but if your audio sucks too, people are tapping out. Uh, so that that is important. So I would say start start with those those places. Definitely find uh, a resource that you you like and trust and that you gel with. Like I say, you're more than welcome to come to my Facebook group, check out the website, all that good stuff. Jump on Instagram stories. Very practical. Even Facebook live, if you can, if you are comfortable doing it, but the biggest thing that I want to leave you with is before you even do that, you need to have at least three pillars of content categories and they're going to vary. So I'll just give you an example. So for example, I'm just going to use Nathan. So it's not all about me, but. Three categories for him would be like podcasting, right? So that's one pillar. That's something that he does. And then maybe his personal life that he's comfortable talking about, you know, whatever aspect that is. And then another aspect would be something that has nothing to do with business or his personal life. So that would be whatever his third category is. And then underneath each pillar, then you would have subcategories. So for example, for the podcast category, Nate could use you know, interview wedding photographers, interview educators in the wedding industry. And you see what I'm saying? Like you break down, you break it down even smaller. And that's honestly where you are able to, when it comes to video, talk about things that are relevant. And honestly, when it comes to writing captions and quote unquote, not knowing what to say, that's what makes it easier. But the last column that I tell people to focus on is like, hobbies and what you like to do for fun because that's where you kind of get those really interesting captions and you see people talking about stuff and they're just comfortable and they they have like really really long Instagram captions because that's stuff that they like to do like like um Hope Taylor like I know she likes Chick-fil-a you know like that's a given and you you see that in her branding it's on her website but I also met her in person and she was the same person that she was online. So it didn't, you know what I'm saying? Like her captions on Instagram didn't make me feel like, oh, well, she's different in person. And again, if I look at her page, I'll just throw some random people like her, Vanessa Hicks, uh, Jasmine Starr, even Michelle Harris. um, they, They post in categories of content, which makes it easier for them to talk about things naturally. So I think if you're listening to this, whether you're ready to jump on video or not, Start with knowing like, one, who your target audience is, and then two, using those, those at least three to start, if you could do five, that's even better, but categories, and then you just start writing stuff underneath it. Even if it's one word, like your category is fun, right? And under it's like, sailing, watching Netflix, eating, you know, onion and garlic chips, whatever, like you'll just start naming stuff. And then those become captions that you can talk about to match it visually. That's where it comes in photography and video wise and video you can do right from your smartphone, just get in front of a nice window with some natural light and, you know, just talk about it and, and connect and just have a conversation. And your mindset should always be that you're talking to one person when you're on video. If you are struggling with visual content and you have no photography for it, you need a brand session. That is your solution. I, I see people all the time online, like, I don't know what to do. I don't have pictures. I'm like, you don't have, you need to create the con- the visual content to match what you need to say. And that's what a lot of these people who really know what they're doing online, that's all they have is they have brand sessions They or they, they swap, they shoot each other. You know, like uh, recently I saw... I think it's Raya and Natasha, right? They did a brand session for each other, right? In the same day. So as they're posting, they have, you know, they have fresh content um, that they, that matches what their captions say. So a lot of the solutions are just investing in that. And listen, I'm going to end with this because I can talk about this forever. (laughs) If you can't right now afford a brand session for whatever your reason is, or you just are like, whatever. I, I know what the Canon camera does. I don't know about Nikon or Sony, but um, there's an app that you can use on your phone that lets you mirror your camera in manual mode. Yeah. And you mm-hmm. can literally take your own pictures yeah. and you can record your own videos that way. So you don't need to, you know, to have a team to do that. Like if you need to see what it looks like and, you know, if it's a video, you just slice the back and the front end off, you know, where you're where you're adjusting and clearly you can see that it's you doing it. Um, there, I'm telling you, like, there's really no excuse now not to get on video, not to have your pictures, uh, done. And again, like I talk about this stuff in length in my group, but it's just educating and, and, and evolving.
0: <laughs> well, it, it, there is again, so many different talking points here that we could, that we could go back to and spend quite a bit of time on. We were, we're running out of time at the moment, but I like that you finished off with something so practical, the significance of having, three you call them pillars of content and and really we're talking about points of reference right because if you go to to shoot a story and you're like i have no idea what to talk about i'm quote not that interesting right i mean this is even these these are feelings that i've had myself and i'm i'm doing a variety of things but if at the end of the day if we don't have some points of reference of what to post then you're just gonna feel at a loss. So coming up with three primary pillars and then subcontent or sub points under that, I think Mm -hmm. this is really, really practical and tangible and really helpful. And um, I I think it'll be a great starting point for our listeners. But all that said, this is a very, very loaded topic. And so (laughs) we've covered a lot of different things today. And Anisha, maybe you can just leave us with resources for our listeners. I'll go ahead and mention your photography site, but then I'd love for you to to share your education site as well. And and it is, for those of you listening in, unashamedimaging.com, just like it sounds. Of course, we'll link to this in the show notes. And on Instagram, it's actually the same as well. So that's your photography. But talk to us about the education side.
1: Uh, Yes. So Learn With AC Collective. That's the new name. It's just because uh, I put my mentoring, branding, and um, video marketing all into one hub. So that's basically, honestly, where I teach creatives and business owners how to excel using video in their business. So if you are looking for some resources, my mini guides are the best place to go. <laughs> uh yeah and i'm i that'll keep us from talking for another 45 yeah, <laughs> minutes yeah yeah um my many guys are literally the most popular topics that come within my community or like again frequently asked questions that i get kind of what i was explaining earlier about when you should you know, at the point where i make something a video um but for many guys i literally break it down on You want to know how to write better Instagram captions. This is what you do. You want to know how to use video in your email marketing. This is what you do. Right now I have nine um, mini guides. I'm adding more, but I wanted to start with the topics that my community was just like, I need to know. I need to know. Uh, And I didn't want to do like a fly by Facebook live or something that wasn't really in depth for them to really practice and implement. So And I'm big on that. Like, you can have all this content, but if you're not doing anything with it, it doesn't matter. And it's been shown that people are more likely to use something that they've paid for. So as opposed to just free all the time. So, yeah, my mini guys are definitely what I've been pushing uh, for people to use. So I would say that would be my number one resource uh, to start from.
0: And we'll link to that, that site as well. Learn with AC collective. It's, it's actually linked from your photography and videography Mm -hmm. site. Uh, If you go to unashamedimaging.com slash education, we'll link to that in the show notes. And then your Instagram account is learn with AC, just like it sounds. We'll also link to that. Uh, But I really appreciate you sharing so much today and being so open with all of us. Um, Thanks so much for making time for the Boca podcast. Absolutely.